thank you so much guys for joining us on thinking out loud podcast uh, samya and i are super stoked to have you here and we are looking for an insanely insightful discussion from the tank to outside the tank and what has happened so thank you so much team vs money to join us here thank you thanks for thank giving you. us the opportunity for having us, having us thank you guys so at the very onset right um, you know I, one thing that samya and i found in all of your background is that all of you were a from the agency side of things uh and and b for most founders what we feel is that they are from really established colleges right like your iits your bits and etc etc right very proud, uh, very proud of not having stepped in any of them <laughs> so just wanted to understand a brief journey about the three of you how how you came together and you know just a little background about the three of you would be super helpful for the guests yeah so i think uh, we go sort of a little bit backwards so then uh, uh, you know it's easier to tie that up right so where we met was at webchatney and uh, you know we've spent i think a significant portion of our uh, careers there and uh, i think it's also the sort of place uh, which sort of inculcates the entrepreneurial spirit in you right um, so much so that you know um, i mean siddharth calls it uh, lazy entrepreneurship but i think it's more about Uh, his own style of essentially just trusting the team and telling them to sort of go for it. You know, if it's a mistake, it's fine. We'll we are there. We have your back. Um, but so much so that you know, each department, each unit. Um, you know, we used to look at it like our our own little P and L, right? And uh, you know, we used to know what are we spending, what is the output like, how much time is it taking? You know, are we really uh you know profitable on certain brands are we not really profitable on certain brands so we actually looked at all of it from all of these angles right like for example i used to handle um all of the south businesses and uh, so it was my my job was to bring in new business my job was to retain customers uh, retain our clients um and you and three of us collectively have worked on a number of very very big brands right like uh, you know rahul and i together have worked on uh, uh, swiggy quicker We've done some work, I think, on Pepsi at some point. Yashas and I have worked together on a number of brands, Britannia, Tanish. Um, you know, so I think the whole um, sort of blend where we've not just looked at it as you know a piece of work that needs to get delivered, but you know, look at it beyond saying you know what are we contributing to the larger organization as such, right? Because of us, we knew when we started in twenty, I think late twenty fifteen, early twenty sixteen, it was a three member team. and our unit itself became something like you know 35 or 36 um and i'm talking we were a unit within an agency right and of course webchatney is part of a global network so we knew not just what we were reporting to india but we also knew what we were reporting to japan and we could have just very well said you know what my job's done and sort of move on with it but i guess it's the it's the trust and the way they've sort of built the organization both gautam and uh, sitar that it sort of in us also to look at it that way um and it's also extended to the way we dealt with our clients right we don't necessarily sort of look at a brief and say you know here's our response to the brief but we would actually talk to the marketing team we talk to the sales team we talk to some product uh, product guys we probably you know sit in the factory sometimes to get a well rounded sense of what's going on because we feel like you know it's not just about getting an idea from somewhere but unless you understand all of these um you know pieces It's not going to be very easy for you to also come up with something that's convincing, right? Let alone uh, something that's creative. Um, so I think that's how we've approached any problem, approached any piece of work that you know collectively we've all addressed. Um, so I guess a bulk of 
this sort of uh, uh, spirit to say you know let's do something of our own has actually come from here i don't think it's um, you know otherwise we may have sort of had this and you know like you rightly pointed out it's not like we've also been to some of these uh, big name institutions where naturally the folks coming out tend to do stuff like this right so i guess it's the workplace that's sort of given us a lot of this and uh, in many ways i think proper sort of alma mater types right really sort of understood uh, the works and what better way to sort of understand you know entrepreneurship than actually do it right so so i guess that's where it was of course, of course from a, um, a background perspective you know i studied um, you know in chennai all through so essentially born and brought up there and then i just went to the uk for a fair for a brief bit to do my masters and then you know after a couple of experiences i joined um, uh, web chatney and that's actually where uh, you know the three of us met but you should sort of listen to uh, how they sort of got there as well so i've i've been born and brought up in bangalore uh, done my schooling here was a hostel kid uh, the best years of my life for sure uh did my college in bangalore and then again i also went to london to do my mba uh finished my mba over there and like not many of them i wanted to come back because i didn't quite like staying abroad uh came back to now now that live without his family he's a family boy <laughs> so uh, came back uh, joined a small uh, accelerator kind of a company in, in bangalore called jgi ventures uh JGI Ventures is basically the parent group of Jain group of institutions that runs a lot of schools and colleges in Bangalore. So they had this accelerator kind of a program where they asked alumni and students from the university to pitch business ideas and then they used to grow them with whatever necessary help was required. So I worked there for a few years and then moved into Web Chutney where I used to work. Uh, like he said, we worked on brands like Swiggy, Quicker, Pepsi, and a few more. uh and yeah post post that yashmi uh quit uh web chatney and then we moved on to build a few other brands of on the b2c space and uh, later then we realized during covid that we should speak to uh, gd because our b2c business was heavily reliant on uh, china and that's when we couldn't really do much so we we said that let's join hands and we got on board vs money and uh, rest is history we are here today um, <laughs> hoping to make history yeah <laughs> yeah Gosh. um so i actually did my economics and finance in australia um and that was in 2013 is when i graduated i sort of entered the entrepreneurship space right after college right so i started a company with a friend of mine from university um the company was called buttons and threads it was essentially an online custom clothing platform for men specifically and we used to focus just on the export business so we used to get the clothes manufactured here and we used to export it outside to over 70 countries um we ran that for 2 years um post that i joined web chatney which is where i met these two um post that i quit and i started everbread along with rahul uh, which is a handbags brand for working women specifically So we started a couple of B2C brands. We ran that entire sort of um, umbrella of brands for about three years till COVID sort of hit um, our supply chain. And then, yeah, then like uh, Rahul said, we we've been working on VS Money since 2020. Awesome guys, I mean that is that is super interesting yet diverse in its own sense, right? So before moving to the entire Shark Tank piece, right? Just one thing that I wanted to understand, right? Like given 
uh, you had some experience in the D2C side of things. You guys met at uh, met at Web Chutney, if I may say so. But from there, how did the transition happen to a core FNB D2C ecosystem that to focusing on a very you know, narrowed niche, right, in terms of coffee that too from the South, right? We know coffee in India is very much originating from the South. But again, that is a very narrowed down, you know, to the T niche, if I may say so. So how did that transition happen from... I think uh, one of the most important parts that I missed out about the Web Chutney experience itself is how much we used to eat, right? <laughs> and I think... Uh, yeah. don't, don't go there, but... Uh, Food plays a very big part uh, <laughs> in all our lives. And we love cooking. We love being in the kitchen and stuff like that. So even at Web Chutney, like he was saying, we used to bond a lot over food. We used to, we were those kind of guys. We used to go out and explore whatever is the new newest offering in, in the city. And that didn't stop after we quit as well. So Jiri was there till uh, late 2020 or 2020. Actually, I only quit Web Chutney like... Uh, April of last year, yeah, and uh, yeah. So, so until then, I actually had two jobs, right? <laughs> so we we never really uh, lost touch. We used to still meet to bond over food, and over these meetings, we started talking about the fact that we don't really have a Haldiram's, uh, what do you say, equivalent in the south. When you talk about Namkeen, you talk about Bujia, and you automatically go to Haldiram's, but we don't have that particular. Uh, equivalent in the south. We've all studied abroad. We've all noticed the fact that you get your Haldiram's ka ready to eat. You get everything over there that is North Indian based. The South Indian palate is something that you don't really get there. And that's when we started realizing that, okay, we really need to think of something that can cater to the South Indian diaspora across the country and abroad as well. For people who don't really stay here anymore and miss what they want to eat, but they can't get it. So that's that's how the idea of waste money came. Yeah, I mean, it was just that shared passion for food that started it all. Um, but, you know, when this idea sort of got a little bit more, um, um, you know, solid, we sort of realized that, you know, the coffee um, as a product, right, which is essentially, you know, when you say South Indian, you pretty much think Italy, those are coffee, right? So it's an easier product to sell slash introduce the culture. Um, because bottom line of what he's actually saying is that the South Indian culture is not as big or as popular as the, you know, the rest of it, right? Which is why, you know, if you have someone in the South, we know what a, um, you know, what a bujia is, but someone today in another part of the country still probably doesn't know what a murku is, right? So in this process, we're actually in the, in the job of selling the culture. It's going to be very difficult for me to go to someone and tell them that, hey, you know, this is what a murku is. And therefore, you know, you can buy it from us. So we had to take the slightly easier route out, which is to say that, you know, we are a brand that represents authentic South Indian. Why do you try a filter coffee? Because it almost makes it easy for someone to associate, you know, filter coffee with South Indian and therefore South Indian with this brand. And the journey and the association becomes bigger, right? Because bottom line, we are trying to build a destination for this. And if that's the goal, then we needed a product that would be easy to get into. Like, for example, it would be easy to even get into your home. Even if you don't drink filter coffee on a daily basis, at least the association gets formed that, you know, filter coffee, whatever, waste money will have it. 
South Indian stuff, maybe these guys will know well. So slowly that association will develop, right? So that's what we actually wanted to do. Uh, to, to continue uh, with the conversation, uh, is it be- because of this that you have like a bigger market in uh, Mumbai than in like a in Bangalore or any city in South India? Is is this the yeah. reason uh, why you maybe are focusing more on other regions than South India, or uh, how, what what's the reason behind being rest being a bigger market? Yeah, essentially it's a problem of access also, right? Largely, mm-hmm. um, for the folks who are for the South Indians who are located in the south, they do have a lot of alternatives. They have the local restaurant that serves you filter coffee. Uh, in Chennai, for example, you have Grand Suites. Uh, right. You have a bunch of options that already exist, right? And these regional players have tended to focus just in their regions. But what about the South Indian that's migrated away from South of India? The people who are living in Bombay, Delhi, Ahmedabad, Pune. Uh, even Hyderabad to an extent, and the larger market, which is sort of outside of India, right? Um, so that's essentially the two core markets for us. So the South Indian who's migrated away from the South, who's located in India, and the South Indian who's migrated away from away from India. So the South Indian diaspora itself is a big sort of. It's also got to do a lot with how um, you know brands have essentially operated in the South, right? Um, we've been a market largely that's been sort of self-sufficient, if I may say so, right? In the sense that we've not necessarily felt the need to go out of our, call it comfort zone or call it just you know the space that we are very familiar with or the people that we are very familiar with, right? Um, you know, South Indians essentially ended up migrating only if they were an army kid or you know if it was a bank job in those days, right? So essentially, you never really had a reason to sort of go outside the south. But you will find a lot of people from the rest of the country actually migrating to the south. So you have these the Rajasthanis coming in, you have the Gujaratis coming in, you have Sindhis coming in. So I mean, essentially trade and stuff like that sort of fuel the whole thing, right? But you have a lot of different cultures coming in. That's why you will find a lot of the um, you know their culture here. We've accepted it so much, and you know it's very prevalent so much so that if it's on the shelf, even we sort of you know love a lot of these uh, you know these snacks and these um, uh, uh, these cuisines, right? But the same has not happened there, which means that there is a general access problem in, in the first place. And because of that, there's also a general awareness problem. Right? So right. it's not only we can expect someone to know about this culture without really being present there. Like only in the last couple of years, maybe even post-pandemic, right? Um, there's been a little bit of an attention shift to the South. Now people are discovering, you know, our films and are saying, you know, the content is better. You know, we've seen that the Mal- Malayalam films are much better. Um, there's a general focus now in this region, right? So actually the time is great now for us to sort of build this because generally you've had also a bit of a, um, uh, you know, lungi dance kind of effect towards the south. Uh, you know, and, you know there are a lot of these misconceptions for no reason, right? So it's also a way for us to correct a lot of these things, right? That there is, there are states beyond Kerala. Uh, there is stuff beyond banana chips and coffee. We're not uh, all my Yeah, and we're all not brown. Whatever, right? And we speak better English sometimes. So I guess it's a lot of, uh, uh, you know, cultural understanding that needs to happen, right? Which is why we keep talking to ourselves. A lot of the conversations are about how do we sell the culture? And the reason why we use the word selling the culture is because the South Indians will understand this and they will pick it up just by virtue of access. Right? If you are South Indian and you are walking to a Neelam's, let's say, in one of the stores in Bombay, you just see a coffee and be like, oh, I never realized there's filter coffee now available. I pick it up. There's not much of a sell that's needed to him. But for the rest of them, we'll have to first tell them what this culture is all about for them to say, Chalo, let me pick it up. Because it's happened in Italy and Dosa Bata, for example, right? A lot right. of the 
breakfast in Delhi and a lot of other places are now um, idli and dosa. We've seen some recent reports and things like that, which means the interest has come. They have understood the cuisine. They're making it maybe their own way, or maybe they do different things with it, right? But we will have to do a lot more to consciously push, uh, you know, push the culture, which is why the whole brand storytelling angle becomes even more important for us. Yeah, I think I totally agree to the fact because uh, also, uh, I mean, to to my understanding and because I have a family there, uh, the sub- culture is a little peculiar than a normal culture. Like how you explained a bhujia, right? Uh, in in bhujia also, there are different demarcations that there is a Western bhujia, which is like the oranges, haldirams, and then like a Eastern bhujia, which is like the red packet. So even like people from East won't like the bhujias in the West. And then suddenly for me, uh, you know, having South Indian food from the South is much different than having South Indian food either in Mumbai or in Kolkata, because it's generally very heavier than that. So to adapt to that culture, to that taste, and especially when it comes to coffee, to be very honest, here we have people are more used to going to a Starbucks or a third wave or a normal coffee shop rather than going and having like a filter coffee or a decoction, right? So uh, I agree that it's like totally a culture that you need to build, the taste that you need to build. And once people adapt, like, you know, it's just like you develop the taste. I think then uh, people generally start, it's a sticky market, right? Once you stick to it, then you kind of continue having it. So I think I agree to your point as to what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, also a lot of the South Indians have grown up with the with the more traditional brands, right? So our association is, you know, Brew, Kotas, Leo, and all these South Indian brands. But the problem is that these brands are also sparsely distributed. It's very, very strong in the South. Don't get me wrong. But I'm saying when you go outside, and when you now yearn that yearn for that sort of flavor or whatever, and you're not able to get it. That's a great opportunity for us because we want to be well distributed. We want to sort of connect with that audience. Um, and, you know, if you just do a cutback to the, to the guy who's not a coffee drinker, who's not a traditional South Indian, um, you know, maybe a daily tea, tea drinker, for example, right? Mm-hmm. It's almost Nescafe is the only form of coffee, right? Correct. And, Correct. You know, and I think the, uh, the population also kind of understands that that's not filter coffee. This is not that. This is good coffee, maybe, right? So it's easier for us to actually sell to a non-South Indian audience currently. Absolutely. Uh, you know, but so that's actually why maybe you know even our sort of numbers may be a little bit more non-south at the moment. But you know, to be very honest, I think what Bangalore is number two, right? Even then. Yeah. Yeah. So technically, yeah, I mean it's actually like Bombay, Bangalore, then Delhi and CR Pune, it's sort of like that. Got it. Got it. Got it. Alright, so just shifting gears now and moving to the entire Shark Tank episode, airing, experience and then obviously now you guys have blown up in the sense of orders because uh, since last one month obviously you guys haven't taken it off. So how has that entire experience been? Maybe if you want to share a bit on maybe applying to it and then being aired and then you know how, how the current situation is in terms of order flows and experiences with uh, having uh, uh, you know people on board and stuff. The experience was great. I mean, it was it was a pedestal offered to us, uh, and we can't complain much about it. Uh, the prep towards it was quite long, lengthy. Uh, the experience in the tank was uh, I don't know I don't know what to call it, but we sh- I shat bricks there for sure. Yeah, uh, during the preps, during the final rehearsal and all of that, I went blank. Uh, but on the day of the pitch, all of us... Oh, we had a lot of fun. All of us had a lot of fun. Nobody fumbled. Everything was great. We were there in the tank for 90 minutes. 
Okay. Uh, we just saw 13 to 14 minutes on but we were there for 90 minutes. We we had a great conversation with all the sharks. Uh, yes, the cuts, the edits, whatever was shown was shown as they would want uh, to entertain the the crowd watching okay. the show. But we did have enough time and bandwidth to give them a proper understanding of where we're coming from. Mm-hmm. The burn that they spoke about was the biggest talking point in the show. Uh, it was a very conscious decision that we have taken right from the day we started spending even a penny towards burning this money. So today, why everybody today everybody after Shark Tank knows us, yes, but there is a massive uh, amount of people who know us even who knew us even before Shark Tank, and the reason for that was this burn. And today, it's very difficult for a D two C company in such a cluttered space to come out without marketing well enough. So we knew that we are going to take this punt, uh, spend X amount of money, get there so that people know us, get people to start trying us, and after they try us, we knew that our repeats will be great because the product is great. Yeah, I mean, and don't get him wrong. I don't think we are anyway advocating that burn is good. No, absolutely. In this very early stage that we are in, our <clears throat> so just to give you a perspective, right? Post our first fundraise, I think we had about seven thousand five hundred or eight thousand customers in all, mm-hmm. and we needed to grow that base to a certain extent for us to say this makes sense to do regular remarketing with. Correct. And that was the reason why we actually essentially went into sort of you know uh, focused performance marketing for three months, and then say okay, now we've come to a certain point where now we can do. Remarketing activity. So actually, our burn has come down significantly. But the point is, I guess the uh, uh, the point that he was trying to make is essentially the Shaka episode. Maybe maybe sort of focused a little bit on that. But you know, we'll talk to you a little bit more about I think how we prepped for it. Right? For us, it was actually a um, a fifteen minute sort of ad. Right? In 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 many ways. So we we were very very clear that you know deal or no deal, uh, we need to present ourselves right. We need to sort of Wear the right clothes. We need to say the right things because what's important here is that the four people, four or five sharks, will sort of understand um, a lot of it without too much context, right? Because they've been in multiple business pitches and right. things like that. But we needed to go through to the end customer watching for them to understand what is this all about. So we had to say it in the simplest manner possible that this is, you know, filter coffee. This is exactly how it's brewed at home. Just add milk and sugar. The, the you know, and the, and the drink is ready. Down to things like what we were wearing, like I said, to how the yeah. you know the set was sort of designed, um, and you know again, yeah, the music that we walked into. So a lot of credit to um, you know the Sony uh, production team also to sort of you know help us in that journey and say you know that we can do there are certain things we can do, certain things that we can't do, and uh, really sort of looked at it from our perspective as well, right? Because their one goal is to just make. You look good as a brand. What happens in the tank happens in the tank, right? Correct. But bring you to that extent and say, you know, you look great. What you're saying is coming through, and all three of us, despite Rahul being a, a you know a native Hindi speaker, all three of us really struggle with with the language, right? I I can't speak it for nuts. I realized <laughs> way worse than I am, and uh, and because I guess Rahul's also sort of been been around in Bangalore a lot. I don't think he's had the opportunity to speak in uh, Hindi Correct. so much. Even at home, I think they end up speaking in uh, uh, English a lot of the time. So it was a very very difficult for us to first turn on that mode and say, "Chalo, we'll speak this language." For us, it was, for me, it was even more difficult because 
uh, we are you know at the end of the day also communicating a lot of business related updates and you know sometimes mm-hmm. we saw i sort of just managed with all english <laughs> connector words i guess and um, you know thankfully i guess i don't have an accent so it didn't come off as you know i didn't know the language but a lot of the uh, uh, you know the lot of the struggle for us really wasn't just talking hindi right correct yeah. we we did we did also get told to speak in hindi quite often yeah even in the time converting oh, okay. to english so we kept you know getting told i remember piyush and uh, amit mm-hmm. told us like i think at least two or three times of yeah. course it's not shown in the episode but please please hindi mein baat kijiye because we just trail off in english correct correct Nice. Yeah, yeah, and you know what? I've had this battle in my head. I mean, why, why can't you accept a South Indian speaking English? But then I also understood that you know, there is the audience that's more important here, right? And if the audience is you know what we call GEC audience, then we better do, then we better do that. We can't go on a national platform and you know say I don't speak it, so I don't want to do it. Right, 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 right. Agreed, agreed. So again, uh, uh, say, you know, just to continue the same question, um, you're building a category in the F&B segment, which is uh, anyway too competitive with you know millions of dollars being spent by big brands, obviously. And uh, uh, you know, as uh, Rahul also mentioned that uh, I would say. you know spending a lot burning that money to get more customer at that point in time maybe your uh, cac is a little higher but you know after being aired after people knowing you uh, seeing you on the national uh, te- you know television uh, how has the order flow been and how are you kind of building this new category of decoction uh, uh, in the competitive fnb segment so the i i probably let yes just sort of take the uh, take the answer from a numbers perspective and what we've done and maybe rahul will also talk to you about i think the uh, after effects from an ops standpoint right but we are not operating in fmb today we are in pure play fmcg so the fmb space like you said has a lot of uh, you know multinational sort of coming in and Correct. you know they're setting up cafes and things like that i think it is an interesting play for us sometime in the future but today i think all credit despite being our biggest competitors all credit to id2 sort of for having introduced this category to the uh, to the audience right they were in many ways i mean decoction actually still existed other local brands in the south already were doing it but they kind of popularized it um, but you know they probably agree as well but our product is better it tastes better because the process is different and therefore i think we have a responsibility to also tell people what this is a lot of people still call it concoction right it's i mean there is a a mild difference it's not 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 really all that much but essentially we need to educate the customer that you know this is the key ingredient that goes into that filter coffee that you're um, sort of experiencing and enjoy so a lot of you know we do a lot of this um, online we do a lot of this in store as well we're in about 200 stores now in bangalore so we do a lot of these uh, you know promoter activities we play scripts and we you know explain to people what this is and essentially you know what it can do to your drink um so we are building i think a brand in a space that has a lot of potential uh, it's not as crowded as it seems to be the reason why it seems crowded is because there are a ton of brands but the ton of brands are also established and focused in certain particular uh, categories right like the in this sort of 8000 crore market of coffee 1600 on the top each is uh, you know nescafe and uh, brew 
and almost 70% of that, uh, sorry, Nescafe and, uh, yeah, Nescafe and Brew and 70% uh, of their business itself is the instant powders. And um, in this country, even today, about 80% of the coffee that's consumed is filter coffee. By that, it means basically coffee that has the chicory uh, in it and therefore provides that sort of filter coffee like taste, right? Now, that's on the top. And at the very bottom, you have a bunch of players who are like roughly anywhere between 50 crores and 250 crores. And a lot of them are actually export dependent and they are in the roast and ground segment. So it's more beans or it's, you know, beans that are ground to sort of powder that you should further brew. Which means the entire mid segment is kind of open to us because there is no distinct second player as well here. And two parts. The innovation per se in traditional filter coffee is pretty non-existent, right? ID is the only one who has this new format called decoction. Brew recently launched it. And, uh, you know, we've been championing it for the last about uh, a little bit, little over six months, but we've always championed filter coffee as a flavor. No one's really championing filter coffee here. On the other end of the spectrum, you have all these new, um, sort of new age brands that's championing typical term wave types doing, um, uh, you know, all kinds of things like uh, flavored coffees, flavored mm -hmm. instants, uh, the dips and things like that, right? So it's all meant to be a lot more experiential. It's almost like bringing the cafe experience home. So Rain, Sleepy Owl, um, uh, you know, Country Bean, a lot of these brands doing really good work, but, you know, we don't necessarily uh, compete with them at all. They all recently, I guess, have launched one variant, which is a filter coffee variant, but that's not their core. We are actually operating in a segment where our biggest competitor is actually ID by virtue of their distribution, the fact that, you know, they have uh, you know, a, a, a good product in decoction, but the rest of the category isn't really innovating as as much. And the second part that I was talking to you about is that none of these guys are essentially doing anything from a brand perspective. Just take a look at all of these brands. Take a look at the history of the advertising for a for a brew or an escafe, right? It's always been a comparison to the original filter coffee, right? You'll always have a scenario. It could be where. You know, the girls come to sort of meet the boy or whatever, right? Those typical scenarios. And then they serve coffee and everybody is like, oh, I never knew this was filter coffee. That's pretty much in the theme of the entire category, which means you're still talking product, 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 product. Right. No one's really made an effort to say, this is what this culture is all about. We're selling what we call authentic, traditional South Indian. Correct. We also have a great coffee. That's our sell. So the, the market is crowded. But I still think that an Indian player will only be able to sort of, you know, champion this, especially a South Indian will be able to champion it a lot more because we are selling that culture first, right? So for that reason, I think, uh, uh, you know, we are in a slightly better place. Of course, all of these other brands will have deep pockets to come and throw us off any minute. But where is that not there? Is there in every industry, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so just to say, like, yeah, no, go ahead. No, please, you completed. Sure. To touch on the numbers, right? The post sort of Shark Tank experience. Um, it's been been quite crazy. Like Rahul said, we haven't taken a day off. The ops team every alternate day is twenty four seven pretty much because we're we're just like sort of overwhelmed with the number of orders, the support that a lot of the customers have sort of grown towards us, right? And essentially, we've grown tremendously: five x growth on the website, twenty x growth on the marketplaces. Um, we had to sort of procure a new warehousing unit, which Rahul will sort of speak more about. But yeah, it's been crazy. Uh, and I think we've also sort of um, tried to address all the problems that sort of come with it. 
um, as much as possible, but I think we still have a long way to go. Um, but yeah, overall, yeah, it's about them about the the preparation bit, right, or the lack of it, or how we sort of approach. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we primarily prepared for four to five x. Honestly, that we we will see a four to five x jump in orders, and we were prepared for it. Uh, but the overwhelming response from Amazon that we got, 18 to 20x, that just put us off. And the problem with Amazon is, uh, if you're not, we had stock in their warehouses, which sold out within the first 24 hours. Our listings were pulled down because they never seen that kind of traction on, on our page before. So we had to reach out to a lot of people, ask them to get the listings back in and stuff like that. And uh, now also, if you're if you're selling, if you're dispatching it from your own warehouse on Amazon, you need to do it within 24 hours of the order coming in. So it's been quite hectic. Uh, we moved to, we've got a new warehouse as well. We've doubled our operations team. Uh, so it's it's been a great journey. I mean, it's we haven't taken a leave, yes, but we are loving what was happening. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and, a, yeah, it's a great problem to have. Could we have been better prepared? I guess yes, but we also couldn't tell that it would be this much and to this extent. Um, I think also the other um, um, sort of post-Shark Tank effect that we felt is how how much we need to be prepared from a production standpoint also, right? We were obviously, you know, our capacity was something like uh, 1,500, 2,000 bottles a day. And now our requirement is something in the region of eight, ten thousand 10,000 a day. Uh, and it's not easy to scale production 5x overnight, which means we should have technically stopped. But we also don't stop so much because we always like to give the customer, you know, a fresh batch. So I, I guess it's a lot of learning for us also, right? Like, and, and that's what we keep talking about. Some of our recent conversations have actually been about how to now use this time and say, you know, let's sort out the entire sort of supply chain, get everything in order, get the production in order before we say, it's now time to sort of step the, step on the pedal for the next phase, right? Because especially with brands like us, we're constantly pressing the pedal to see if we can grow, if we can grow. But maybe sometimes it's also, um, um, you know, right for us to say, you know, let's just take one step back, sort everything out because the customers have now come and, you know, they've shown their love and they've shown their appreciation for the product. Any wrong move here, it could be bad delivery, it could be, you know, maybe the product wasn't up to their expectations, maybe, you know, something got damaged in transit, whatever it is can just change the perception. And now the perception shift is not, um, you know, earlier to give you a sense, some of these customer complaints would be never trust these online brands because you never know who they are, right? In case we fucked up. Today, just because you've gone on Shark Tank, do you think you have the... Um, uh, you know, whatever you think you can do this, right? Which uh, we are not saying we're, we're doing this, uh, you know, whatever, right? But the point is, that's the responsibility, right? Now you have people who've seen you, they've seen you on a national forum, they've seen you on television, and they expect you to sort of deliver a certain way. So, which means we also need to sort of set a lot of things right before we say, let's keep growing, let's keep growing. So, um, and I guess these are the parts that are often under discussed, right? You know, a lot of the stuff happens about the, the big growth, but there's a lot that we need to sort out behind the scenes before we say, you know, it's only the glamorous part that a lot of a lot of the times people see. And the best thing, right, is, um, yes, we've had all of these challenges. We probably pissed off a ton of customers by delivering their product late. But the great thing and the thing that really keeps us going is what we've heard from the customers, right? Like even Though an order is gotten delivered late, they try the product and they say really good things about the product. 
and that's essentially what keeps us going because you know if if somebody is willing to forgive you for your early mistakes and we're so thankful that all of them are um uh, it's just just something else uh, that feeling is just something else that you're able to satisfy them with the product that they deserve and you know we can only get better from here understood yeah i think that is that is super interesting and yet uh, from a customer satisfaction standpoint that just you know fosters that trust and faith within a new brand right uh, so you know just to understand this entire uh, exponential growth that you guys achieved and you gave some sense on the ops part of it and marketing part of it uh, what we really wanted to understand is how do you guys or how are you guys planning on going about hiring to you know meet those demand figures that you have right because again if production has to be scaled some x and if delivery and all has to be scaled some x you need more hands on the table to you know distribute those efforts so how are you guys going about hiring and how hiring talent or getting good talent was you, for you guys was very different pre and post shark tank now that the brand has a higher recognition uh, in from a national standpoint if i could say so it was it was very easy pre shark tank because we weren't hiring so <laughs> we, we were a, i mean we it's the three of us and uh, you know rahul essentially looks after all ops talking to the vendors even like you know i'm i'm giving you an example as small as the stickers for the packs are in ready would be something that he sort of calls the printer and gets it done right so a job as small as that to a job as big as you know sending shipments out to amazon and priyasha uh, essentially handles all the advertising whether it's our own website you know overseeing what we do on amazon and i have an overview of everything plus business and sales and finance and stuff like that right and of course the brand part of it so we've essentially been a team that's done a lot of the stuff ourselves um it's only like about a month and a half back uh, that we uh, uh, you know hired our customer support executive right um, and then you know just prior to that we had someone who sort of helping us with um, you know um, marketing efforts and generally coordinating a lot of the stuff so it's a, it's been a lot of generalists kind of hires that we've made and we've had i think uh, two people in the ops team that's pretty much it and these guys were essentially packing our order this was before shark this is before shark tank and you know i'd say till about november pretty much this was the scene uh, around october november december is when we slowly started the retail sales initiative in in bangalore and we wanted to do this as an experiment here only because we're based out of bangalore but ideally i would like to do it in bombay right where the you know the traction is much better but it's also a very difficult market to re-enter and here by virtue of us being here if we made a mistake we can still quickly correct it and you know we can sort of keep that relationship going here whereas there we would have to sort of build a relationship with the distributor and then if something falters it goes for a toss the brand will never have an entry there right so we said let's just make some mistakes learn what model works which products work and you know that's sort of gotten us to about 200 plus stores so we have um someone so sort of helping us from a consultancy level just to sort of enter uh, offline because uh, we've not had much experience in that space my experience has been very limited and uh, uh, we've hired you know ras in bangalore we have two sales guys under him so essentially this whole 200 uh, stores journey has happened in the site right so that's pretty much been the entire team 
we otherwise handle pretty much everything ourselves right like whether it's warehousing or whether it's um, you know logistics of course you know we have third party partnerships with delivery and smarter and all of these guys and um, <clears throat> from you know even a marketing standpoint if we have to shoot something we just figure it out ourselves if we have to like you know change the banner of the website we do it ourselves so we never really hired anyone per se now in this sort of phase of the journey that we are in we want to actually double down on uh, quick commerce and you know the marketplace sort of business right because we have a significant presence on our website we're now growing the presence on marketplaces and then you know also continue to do retail balance so our hires now you know we will now start getting people right I, you know i still make um, our vendor payments and i still transfer salaries and things like that and today i was just thinking you know it's a high time maybe we get someone in uh, you know to just do our basic finance and you know maybe do some tally entries and things like that so that our audit also doesn't get delayed so much right now our auditors are actually supporting us with some of these support functions so i guess right now we are in that stage where we need some support functions uh, the function hires we've uh, added folks to the ops team uh, but the kind of people we are actually looking for are more you know uh, guys who can drive the e-commerce business right not the own website part of it but of course the the marketplace part of it because that ball game is very very uh, uh, it's slightly different from what we've done but uh, it's also a very crucial piece to our sort of next phase so we're trying to see if we can get guys who can you know build relationships with whether it's bing blinkade zepto big basket all of these guys but it's it needs to be supported by a very very strong ops team because you know when a po comes in you have to sort of service it uh, right away it needs to get inverted the process is different it's not like how amazon works so some of our sort of hiring decisions are now being made in in sort of this segment but to your question was it was it easier or more difficult before than after we do have a ton of people writing to us for jobs and stuff like that so touch wood it's not it's not difficult to hire but hiring the right person at the right time is is what we really believe in so we didn't really get people on board for the heck of it but when we get pushed to a corner that okay this is not something that we can handle like he's saying for the finance and all of that i am also looking at hiring somebody right now somebody who can mirror what i have been doing in the ops department because it's too much to look after right now right so right. we could have done this a few months back but we think now is the right time so why not agreed so i i think uh, i can uh, uh, relate to what you guys are saying because when i i joined the startup that i'm currently working for we we were, i was like i think the 7th or 8th member and now we are a team like of, of 50 plus members samat was like the 12th or 13th employee and at that point in time uh, you know since my manager used to manage the legal compliance uh, strategy operations finance all the so all the non tech uh, functions was handled by him and the tech was something who have we had a cto for that so i i was a part of the entire journey of how we streamlined the operations then hired a head uh, handed over to him streamlined yeah. hr handed over streamlined accounts handed over streamlined legal handed over now he overlooks it but we have a lead for each department now so right. i i think that sort of hiring of getting maybe exactly. a senior person uh and then handing him over the entire thing because he might know it better than maybe uh, you me or rahul or anyone because we are not specific to we are good with our roles maybe we are not good with something which we are not good at so i think i can totally relate to what you are saying and yes now hiring might be very easy 
easy for you guys because now people know you you've you've become not really I mean, like like he's saying we have a lot of people writing in yeah but you think we will also be able to afford a lot of the hires right by that i mean i mean yes Correct. it's easy to throw a lot of the uh, you know the salaries based is mm-hmm. the expectations and what the market is creating yes yes but somewhere i get the feeling that the market is generally inflated um, um you know the the entire ecosystem right so much so that you know today it's difficult to get um, a good hire sub 10 12 lakhs 10 12 lakhs almost is the new four or five that we were sort of absolutely absolutely right so i mean and it's at this point that we actually sit down and think we need to spend a lakh a month on something like this so can we still go on a little further and see if we can manage it ourselves oh, right right so i guess we come to that point where we are saying okay let's do one to begin with and then let's do uh, yeah. so i think it's also a function of that i mean how long will we and you know we've always been saying Um, that we also need to sort of grow sustainably and things like that, right? So I don't mm-hmm. think. Yes, we will compensate great talent, but I don't know if we will necessarily want to go down the path of saying, you know, let's just throw the money at them and then. Yeah, agreed. Know. Agreed. Agreed. No, no, absolutely. Also, just wanted to know, you know, moving towards the uh, uh, end, uh, how. does or have you tried experimenting the dark store concept at any point of time because a lot of d2c users or companies are now exploring this dark stores kind of model as well uh, because you spoke about e-commerce right like a zepto or a blinkit or having something of your own as a dark store where uh, you hand over the supply chain to uh, a third party they manage your dark store your responsibility is just to get the product at their end right so do you think that is a good opportunity uh, I, I, because i feel that on the e-commerce side this is a really good uh, way to kind of send your products or reach to a wider market i was dead against one before yash takes this i was dead against this model before uh, at least uh-huh. in the last 15 20 days because okay. really uh, operating from a 3pl company uh, is at least 3x more expensive than what i would spend here to run okay. my operation Yes, it does have its perks, but three x for a company like us for something that we could never afford. Same, same reason, right? Can we do it ourselves? We do. Right. Yeah. Right. So, Yash was always the one who would tell us, "Let's do it. Let's do it." And I was like, "No, not. It's not the right time." But again, fifteen <laughs> days back, Yash came back to the table and said, "Now is the time. We could." So we used to we used to process around four to five hundred orders before shop time. Today we're processing three thousand orders across <laughs> all marketplaces. So even though I start expanding the team, it still does take a toll on the whole. So Yash will—I mean, he—he he yeah. got the proposition on board, and so it—it's it, a bunch of things, right? Like when we started in 2020, uh, mm-hmm. it was during the pandemic, so we were primarily online. Our only distribution channel that made sense at that point was the website, and uh, we had the team, we had the ops team, sort of set up to do everything here. Uh, in our current sort of office, office plus warehouse is what I'd say, right? So, and we were we're located in Bangalore, and um, our target audience is all of India. So there are a bunch of things um, that the ecosystem has sort of like created as almost a prerequisite, right, for the customer. Right. Like having shopped on Amazon, having shopped on having uh, shopped on Amazon, Flipkart, um, Blinkets of the world, etc. the time to deliver is something that's really really crucial and um, uh, yeah so essentially we uh, 
were operating, you know, with the volume of orders that we had here, but we did sort of have a delay in shipping out to Delhi, for example. <laughs> we're in a stage where we are a product in a larger basket of goods. And uh, someone who's shopping for grocery is not going to wait for five or six days or even three days for that matter, right? Uh, while we can do one-day delivery in Bangalore, we can't do that in Bombay or Delhi, given the current sort of setup we have. So our aim is to right now move away from our website, um, so much so that we're available in uh, all the places, all the platforms where the consumer is already shopping at. That being Amazon, that being Flipkart, that being Geomart, that being uh, Blinkit, Instamart, Zepto, everywhere else, right? Plus the retail stores. So along with that, while the website sort of orders were being dispatched from here, we want to, we've now sort of onboarded a third party logistics company that will be able to service all the other areas as well. Right. So I think that's a move that we've taken sort of like recently, much like Rahul said, it was a very sort of cost, um, cost decisive uh, move that we had to make. Um, but in the end, I think the trade-off is whether you want to provide a great customer experience or a mediocre customer experience. Right. Understood. The other aspect of that is that, you know, <clears throat> we are not just competing with other coffee brands, right? We are also competing with an Amazon on service and delivery levels. We get compared to, I get my Amazon delivery the next day, why can't you get it, right? Mm-hmm. We also get compared to someone else in some other category for some other reason, which means we need to sort of also start realizing that what did we come here to do? We wanted to be a destination brand for South Indian and make ourselves available everywhere. So maybe that's the, you know, this is now the right time to start doing that because then the customer is able to get it at his convenience at their own preferred speed. And, you know, we have the website to do our own sort of bit of branding and whatever it is that we want to do, right? So I guess that's, um, uh, that's a major part for also sort of, you know, doing a lot of the things that we're doing today. It's part um, our own sort of efforts to say, let's now start focusing on the front end, bringing in the business, building the brand, so that now we know what works. So let's start sharing the load with you know other third parties available in the ecosystem. And it's also a great time to be doing such things, right? The ecosystem has yeah. been developed over the last two three years, and you can very well make use of uh, you know their networks and stuff like that. Understood. Awesome. So, uh, moving on to the last question, and I think we asked this to all our guests, what kind of materials, what kind of books, maybe any podcast, newsletters do you guys refer to or do you guys read, uh, you know, maybe perpetually to just keep yourself upbeat as to what's happening in the market, not just from a building your own brand or, uh, you know, from your own company perspective, for, or, but just for like upskilling yourselves in, in this market? I think the biggest, so I don't read much. I, I know I shouldn't be saying that. But <laughs> I don't read much, but we listen. I think we listen. We, listen, we listen a lot. Yeah, but right. Podcast is what we, we generally listen to. But for me, the biggest uh, platform to learn from is to be a part of these D2C founder groups. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you are a part of these groups nowadays where you have founders from across the country. And Correct. I think there's no other no better learning that one can get from hands-on experience from founder himself. So that's, that's, that's the biggest place that I take back learnings. I, I understand a few things. I come back, we discuss these things internally that, okay, this is a particular problem that a company not in our industry is facing, but can help us sometime down the line. Yes, no, maybe 
let's say a maybe a checkout page experience do you want to move to a single click checkout xyz stuff like that so uh, for me it is being a part of whatsapp groups specific, uh, specifically and i think online it's it's the ken that i i have yeah. to and i i read whatever is coming from there correct so um for me it's it's a it's a mix of a few things right so i tend to um like rahul said there's a lot of the d2c retail fmcg sort of learnings um with podcasts like modern retail um the d2c groups are on etc that's one sort of segment but i also try to focus on other areas of life um and listen to certain audiobooks you know audible is like one subscription that i subscribe to and the blinkist as well um and just to sort of learn outside of the current sort of industry that we're on right because i feel like that's also important to understand the world from different perspectives but also know what else is happening um in the world so the all in podcast for example gives you a, gives a great perspective on what's happening in the us how that sort of impacts uh, the other countries as well and that's that's mm-hmm. a great podcast is one of my favorite understood understood even i i used to uh... I had a phase, I guess, where I was reading a bit, uh, but just not been able to find the. It's it's not about the time or anything; it's more the mind space, I guess. But I do listen. I mean, I guess a lot of our commute is essentially just some podcast or the other playing. The most uh, uh, recent one that I started enjoying a lot is uh, uh, the Babu Shop with Shantanu, and yeah. uh, you know, so it's I did. I mean, I. Uh, whether it's the pitches or even you know even in season two, yeah, he's doing right. a lot of conversations. So right. it's it's quite really interesting because like Yashas and Rahul are saying, I guess all these entrepreneurs, their conversations, their problems, their perspectives, somewhere I guess it sits at the back of our heads and we're able to apply it in the future. But I don't know if we have any go to. But yeah, I mean eyes are always open to any kind of thing, right? Like the whether it's my yeah. so I guess we consume a lot of content, uh, but. you know i don't know if there is like a, a book or something like that we keep correct correct okay no i think barber shop uh, is is exceptional we always refer to us and you know we try to listen to them to kind of just uh, make sure how can we also improve our podcast in terms of asking good questions uh, understanding the journey of uh, every entrepreneur or a you know startup founder we speak to so i think yeah that also helps us a lot uh, but anyway i think we've had a lovely conversation a lot of insights on how to run a d2c business how to place yourself how to brand it how to operate it Uh, so thank you uh, team bs money for taking the time out i think we'll have we've had an insightful episode so thank you so much thank you so much i hope it was one of the most useless interviews you've done <laughs> <laughs> No, no, not at all. I, I think uh, there be there is a lot to learn of how to run a business, especially when when you just see that like a hyper growth suddenly, and that to manage the operations part, the sales part, uh, the making sure the customer satisfaction part. I think that's very important. I think that you guys are executing it really well. Uh, so yeah, uh, all the best for the future, and uh, we will obviously keep in touch. So yeah, 